Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Talk Show. Today, we have a very special guest, Archbishop Fulton Sheen. That's right. We've got Fulton Sheen. Let's see another Catholic YouTube channel get this guest. <laughs> Clearly, we've got some great contacts up above because we have the first televangelist ever in the history of the world. Welcome back to the studio. Yeah, man. This is uh, this is definitely going to be an awesome show. That's right. <laughs> I'm telling you. So we were talking, okay, we've been doing this show for about three years now. And if there was any guest that we wish we could have had, right? Mm. I mean, we've had some great guests. We've had some great guests. That's right. But if we really were going to pick mm. our, you know, top list of who we can have on here, we're like, wouldn't it be cool to have had Fulton Sheen on? Well, could have kind of tell us a couple of things about what we're doing. Right. Here. Fulton Sheen's one of the you know kind of the patrons of what we're doing. He's a trailblazer in the field of using communications and modern communications to preach the gospel, to be entertaining, to be captivating, and to reach people through digital means. So we figured out a way to get Fulton Sheen on the show today, and that's by going back through his archives finding clips that we can play and then we're going to listen to them react and it's going to be just like Fulton Sheen is here in the studio with us kind of sort of kind of sort of yeah and kind of sort of you're with us in the studio too so we want to hear from you and what your reactions are to these beautiful reflections from Archbishop Fulton Sheen he speaks with so much passion so much insight and his delivery has affected a massive amount of people in his generation and even our generation as well. Before we get started, we want to make sure that you are commenting on all of our social media uh, channels, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at Catholic Talk Show. If you want to find out where you can listen in or view our content, go to CatholicTalkShow.com. There you'll see every way that you can listen in and view. We're on YouTube, so if you want, I mean, this is the best way to, to actually listen to this show, is go to YouTube, make sure you subscribe, click the bell every time we produce the show. It will populate in your feed, and you'll be able to kind of see Fulton Sheen on the show. That's right. <laughs> kind of. Sort of. Kind of. Sort of. Sort of. Okay. Come on. Bear with us here. We're trying to do something. This is great. He's got a cause for canonization going, too, He does. Right? So a little bit about Fulton Sheen for people who don't know about who he was. Fulton Sheen, uh, he was an archbishop, and in the 50s and 60s, he had one of the most popular television shows in the world. Right. That's, which is which is amazing. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine... I mean, this was like primetime TV. I think yeah. it was on NBC. Yeah, right? and we're not talking about just Catholics. We're talking no. about everybody. everybody. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's the only... Um, everybody. That's right. He's the only you know, archbishop to ever win an Emmy, right? I mean, he was... He won an Emmy? He won an Emmy. Wow. Yeah. He, for most outstanding television personality. Twice. Oh, my God. Twice. That's I mean, amazing. He really does. I mean, he has an incredible personality. Wow. Mm -hmm. So he was um, born in 1895, uh, Peoria, Illinois. Yeah. Uh, died December 9th, 1979. So long life, but his preaching, incredibly dynamic. Um, he did so much cool things in the world. One of my favorite books I ever read and really helped me kind of back on my path to reversion was The Life of Christ by Fulton. Oh, yeah. It's a yeah, great a book. book. And he talked so many amazing topics. I, really just a gifted preacher. I mean, we say you're no Mike Schmitz. Well, Mike Schmitz is no Fulton Sheen. Right? <laughs> That's right. 
I mean, on a hierarchy. In level. the right. economy of preachers. In the economy <laughs> of preachers, you're a two, Schmitz is a seven, Sheen's a ten, man. Okay. <laughs> so, um, you know, he does have his cause for canonization open. He was about to be beatified a couple of years ago, and then. A lot of church, ugly, dirty politics got played up, and there's a fight over his body and Archdiocese of New York and the Diocese of Peoria, and it, it's a really messy kind of tragic thing because yeah. this is the saint that we kind of need for our time. He yeah, was fearless. He wasn't afraid of saying the truth through media, and in our cancel culture, cow-towing to mob uh, thought police, Fulton Sheen is an antidote the stuff that we're dealing with now with timid people afraid to say the truth. Yep. Yeah. And we need more of that. We need yeah. people just like Fulton Sheen that have the courage to speak the truth. And I'm excited about the truth he's about to share with us so, right yeah, now. Yeah, me too. Archbishop, welcome to the show. <laughs> what an honor. I, I sort of, look, two <laughs> Emmys, named an archbishop, um, servant of God, about to be beatified. But this this honor, right? I'm sure he would have been very thrilled <laughs> to appear on the Catholic talk show. So, Absolutely. Archbishop Sheen, welcome to the show. Why don't you tell us a little bit about <laughs> your sermon here, which is titled, Bishop Fulton Sheen Predicts 2021. Ooh. How perfect. All right, let's take a listen to what the Archbishop has to say, and then let's react. Our nation is too full of those that are crying down. Down with the police. Down with the churches. Down with teachers, down with government. Can you build anything down? You cannot. Certainly time in our nation to change our words. And let's begin now to use the word up. Up from all of this filth, up from this violence, up from this indifference of courts. Up, up to the hid battlements of eternity. Up, up to God. The new type of violence that's sweeping our country our schools, our streets, which involves destruction of everything that is in the past. The first characteristic of the new violence of our day is what we will call elitism. Namely, there is a dominant minority that makes a lot of noise and that uses violence to force its will upon others. They're revolutionists without a program. They only know what they're against. They do not know what they're for. The kind that are rifle desks, destroy property, burn homes, do anything to enforce their will. Satanism is behind it too. This is the third characteristic of it. The world is built on order. There's a plan, so scientists are able to discover the laws of the universe. And in discovering the laws of the universe, men find harmony. This harmony and order had to come from somewhere. It came from God. What is the essence of Satanism? The essence of Satanism is the destruction of that order. The order of law, the order of morality, order of religion, the order of ethics, anything that you please. Believe me, fellow Americans, I tell you that before the flood, in the book of Genesis we read, and in the days of Noah, there was violence on the earth. All of the violence that happens in our country is a fever graph. Read it. And it points to a decay in our civilization. 
How are we going to get out of it? I tell you one thing that we, we have to do. We have to realize maybe why the eagle is our national symbol. The eagle always builds its nest high in the mountain crevices when the young are hatched. The eagle pushes its young over the nest. And they fly down to what to eaglet eyes must seem like sudden death. And just before the young eagle crashes, the mother eagle swoops down from its nest, down to the abyss and catches the young, and then flies up into the sky, swoops from out it again, and repeats the process until the bird has learned to fly. Moses saw that and he wrote, as the eagle stirs among the young, so does God stir among the nations. Maybe God is stirring us, bringing us to the brink of danger in order that we might begin to examine ourselves and restore the dignity of man and a belief in God. Never seen a man wear the cardinal cape as well as him either. No. No, no. Yeah, he's, he, he knew how to use his presence mm -hmm. to really preach. Mm -hmm. um, that, what that, he said was just it's prophetic. Prophetic. It's, it really prophetic. Is. it's prophetic. And and the the vision of his, you know, his eyes, like just like seeing his eyes when he says it. When he says it. I mean, he speaks it with so much conviction. It's it's as if he is seeing this play out uh, you know, over yeah. time. Yeah. You know, and elitism. And, like we hear a lot about that now. Oh, yeah. yeah, then a silent majority with their domineering ways d dictating how everything has to be. I mean, if you don't see that that's what's going on in this world now. And mm -hmm. and the thing he said is like they can tell you what they don't believe mm -hmm. and but they can't tell you. Well, it's all tearing things down, tear it down, tear it down, tear it down. That's yeah. how we started this. Mm -hmm. And everything in our culture right now is tear it down, shut yeah. it down, canceled. You're no Get good. Rid of it. Yeah. Yeah, you're no good. Uh there's no chance for redemption. Yeah. There's no chance for understanding that people can develop with their thought. There's no chance of taking things within context. It is just outrage for the sake of outrage to prove your dominance, your, your um, ethical bona fides, right? Everyone wants to have this ethical high ground, this moral high ground that they pretend to have. And the only when they are lack of anything that orients them towards truth, truth, they just go and try to find things to attack and say, look, look how good I am. I know something's wrong, right? Yeah. It's not about I'm good, I behave well, I just can pick out other people's failures or perceived failures. Mm. Mm. It's it's an alarming it's an alarming message that I think uh, the thing that stuck out for me the most was just the tearing down of the police, the tearing down of law, the tearing down of order this and order. ethics. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, rooted in Satanism, because it is Satan who defaces beauty, who defaces and disrupts order. And when we look at order, what are we ordered toward? You know, Aristotle would express that we're ordered toward the polis. We're ordered toward living in a metropolitan community where we are 
gathering together and entering into fellowship and and exchanges of ideas and and creativity. Well, you know, when everything is being torn down, like you're describing, how can we how can we ever build upon this well, that's what action? You say, change our words to up. Yeah, we need to change our <clears throat> words to up because we're in that progression. It's it's not as if you know we we can look at our entire history and say, oh, all of these people were absolutely wrong and unethical. Let's strike them from the from the history books. No, there were redemptive moments all throughout history. Yeah. Why can't we identify those redemptive moments and realize Learn our progress it. and go upward to heaven? If the upward traje- toward God. If the trajectory that we're on where everyone's measured by a different standard than the times that they lived in, right? And there's not a historical critical method, as it were, to understand people in their time and place, who could ever stand, right? I mean, there's no one that could Nobody. 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 There's not one person who should have a statue in this entire world based on the ethics of today. What is the card what is the cardinal's name last week or recently that was in, in a prison camp and was tortured for years? Like Cardinal. Cardinal Vantois? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even in his torturing, like even in his torturing, he begged for the mercy of God because he knew that he was not receiving this torturing in the proper manner sometimes. Yes. You know, like so even the persecuted, right? cannot even build up, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he even admits that. I mean, so I mean, you're looking at And he at this, expresses a need for, for a God. A need for mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. A need to go up, mm-hmm. not down. I love that. I love that reflection. It's and, and beautiful. He communicated it so perfectly. I love his preaching. Yeah. And mm-hmm. for me to even be a two in relationship to that... That's saying something. I, I, I appreciate it. I, 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 I was trying that. to be complimentary. <laughs> 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 you know, but like, like I was saying, how... Anyone in the past, by today's standards, should be canceled. Mm-hmm. Literally any single person born Everybody. before 1950. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would mean that in this progression, anyone alive now, in 50 years, if this, if ethics and morality are so malleable, everyone now is going to get canceled, mm-hmm. right? But, but the thing is, is like it, it, Fulton Sheen calls it the silent majority. Mm-hmm. It's a nameless majority. It really is. It's a nameless majority. And, and the question is- What do you is, mean by that? Who is who, who is are this they? majority? Yeah, in this that. form of elitism that he's describing, who who is this majority? Like name the person that is that is you know the leader of the cancel culture. Yeah, you know, I was listening to Joe Rogan the other day, and he had uh, Quentin Tarantino on. Mm-hmm. I love Quentin Tarantino movies; great director. Um, and he was talking because Quentin Tarantino movies can get pretty crazy, right? Yeah, and he's like. Joe Rogan's like, how do you get away with this? How can you get away with the things that you do and not get canceled? He's like, Quentin Tarantino's like, you know, when I first started making movies, I would show them the script. They're like, they're not going to let you do this. And Quentin Tarantino goes, well, who are they? Mm-hmm. Who are they? Who's they? Show me the people that exactly. are they. Uh. And that's kind of the same thing that we have now. Who are they? It's just a nameless, amorphous, digital mob where you kind of count on just I don't know metrics, L- likes and likes, clicks and shares. And, shares and do these and mobs have wow. identities behind them? Do these mobs and these massive amounts of of people really have a subjective position of canceling you? Yeah, like <laughs> no, yeah. it's just it's just pitchforks and and torches. It's just like yeah. hey, we get stirred up and let's just go after. It. But no. but it's digital pitchforks and yeah. torches. You know, it's like, not real. You don't. It's like, it's like your friends. They're not real. Right. Your friends on Facebook yes. are not real. Yes. Yeah. 
They watch stuff you post. That's it's that's so what true. they do. Technically, like existentially, you're putting something out and you have agreed to allow them to see it. They are not your friends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and the whole thing is, it's all very weird, but I think that was, that was pretty prophetic um, from Fulton Sheen. Oh That's why gosh. I'm so glad that he's on the show with us. Yeah, I'm yeah, around. Me too. We are so blessed. Fulton Sheen, Fulton Sheen, what else you got yeah, for us, man? That was excellent. <laughs> can, you, can you share some more? Like, What's that, Uncle Fulton? Oh, he said he wants to tell us a little bit about the devil's greatest <laughs> trick. Well, Uncle Fulton, we would love to hear it. Why don't you tell us about it, please. <laughs> this is The Devil's Greatest Trick by Fulton Sheen. We have almost forgotten that we are in a great mortal combat. Today we are beginning either to domesticate the devil or else to deny him. The devil's definition of himself is I am who am not. He is most powerful when he is denied. This question is worth asking. I went to church the other day to free my soul from sin. I was looking for the preacher, but the preacher wasn't in. The sexton then assured me that there'd be no use in waiting. The preacher's gone away, he said, to do some demonstrating. Well, what I want to know, I said, and I will make myself quite clear. While they're off demonstrating, who's running things down here? Who's taking care of sinners? Who's leading us in prayer? Who's feeding all the lost sheep that wander by right here? Who's baptizing babies? And another thing I said, who's looking out for sick folks and blessing all the dead? The sexton was a wise old man with a twinkle in his eye. He looked at me and scratched his head and this was his reply. Son, what I'm going to say to you might strike you kind of odd. But since no one's here to help, put your question up to God. So I asked him all those things last night when I bent my knee in prayer. Oh Lord, I pray, please tell me who's running things down here. The Lord sent down an angel. It was enough to make me sob when the angel said, the devil, and he's doing a damn good job. Wow. Wow, that's... Thanks, uh, Archbishop Fulton (laughs) Sheen. Archbishop Fulton Sheen, when we agreed to have you on the show, we didn't know it was going to get so serious, but okay, we're going to roll with that. And straight up poetic and prophetic. And was that his poem? Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, okay, me listening to that, do you know what that immediately hit me there is, okay, they're off demonstrating. Who is baptizing the babies and taking care of the dead? And I can't help but think of during COVID, everyone's, a, or, or, you know, all the bishops, where were they? You know, they were 
Everything was closed, denied sacraments, people dying in hospitals by themselves yeah. without access to the sacraments. I mean, Father Rich, you know, you were trying to get in the fight hospital and you had to fight tooth, claw, and nail to get in the hospital. And you're one of the good ones who would do whatever it takes to get into that hospital. And I, I will say, you know, with my son in type one diabetes, that's what he did. I know that's exactly what I'm saying. I mean, he he was in DKA. He had to but he had a relationship. But he did with, what it took. But, but, but I, I know. But but the thing is, is like, make the freaking relationship if you're a bishop. Right. You call these guys. You make the relationship. You don't deny these people the mercy of God. You know, but he you walks, just don't do that. Yeah. You walk past the church and there's no one there. They're off protesting. Yeah. yeah. Boy, doesn't that not sound mm-hmm. like some people that we know in the church today? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, you're you're worried about these people's rights and this kind of law and this and that. No, your job is to preach the good news and deliver the sacraments. Sinners. Everything else is tangential, but we're, they've lost their balance. We're sinners, and there's a de- there's an eternal need for God for every soul. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There is a th- th- it will never go away. Doesn't matter if there's a plague or whatever. That eternal need. You give your life for it because you're the only one that can administer these sacraments. Mm-hmm. And and observing from you know the the sense of looking online and 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 seeing just all of these churches go black. Yeah, you know, it, it, and that's literally what the image. I still remember, you know, all of the things that were passed down to us, and it was just like the whole country went black. Yeah, and there were no masses you know, being offered publicly. And it was just such a dark experience that I'll never forget to the day that I die. But then at the, at the same time, and yes, you know, there, you know, there's, there's crippling facets to this, but also the creative, amazing work that my brothers have done and my sisters out there that actually broke through different barriers to mm-hmm. ministry mm-hmm. and actually went out to meet the people with the blessed sacrament, you know, with the blessed sacrament on the back. I mean, I'm getting emotional thinking about it, but like they went out and <laughs> brought this cross aloft. <laughs> Fulton Sheen does this every that's time he's the on church. the show. That's the, that is the church and the church mystically never fails to meet people. You know, yeah. we have a we have a problem with leadership in yeah. this world, you know, yeah. yes. in this world. Yeah. And but mystically, Christ is still with this church. And moving in the Holy Spirit to me. Absolutely. Yeah. And and I, I saw it here, saw it in my diocese. I'm I'm proud of my brothers who, you know, and, and some of these guys like hate being online. I'm not saying that I like love being online, yeah. but they hate being online. And I love the fact that I could tune in and listen to my brother preach because I want to be edified by his word, mm-hmm. you know, and inspired. And, it, you know, there, there was a lot of um, movement among among our brothers and sisters that that took their ministry online and did what they could under the circumstances that everybody was facing. Mm-hmm. So... You know, and then also thinking about, well, how he said, you know, they're off at the protest. They're off at the demonstration. It's the greatest trick. It's because it's virtue. It's It's a false virtue. It's a false virtue. It's demonstrating. False virtue is what kills God. 
Because the devil, the devil wants that. That's that's his that's his greatest trick. Mm-hmm. False virtue. Mm-hmm. Also, I loved how tricking he, you into thinking that you're doing something good when in reality, even, yeah, even greater than forgiving people's sins, even greater than baptizing. Yeah. Wow. I'm that's saving the thing people from me. a virus. Yeah. So I'm true. saving people from a virus that could come and kill them, or from yeah. a thought, or from a thought. Look, no, well, I'm just saying you know, in that context, yes, but but yeah, it, it's the same thing. Thought. We're th- we're saving you from the thought of how you don't tell the line with our ideology. We're saving you from that. That is greater than Baptist church. Mm-hmm. Church is passe. Mm-hmm. Church is old school news, mm-hmm. man. What you need to do is you need to learn how to be woke. And with the times, you have to understand that this is the way that we think now. We are we need you to be a better person like us. And the church at Boy, its core. Boy, doesn't that sound like Satan? The church and, and at it is. its It's core. like it's ho- people are being hoodwinked by yeah. the ideology. Be- yeah. People are being hoodwinked by the thought. Yeah. And yeah. and it's not it's not about you know what position you have or this type. Of, it's just what you believe. Culturally <laughs> speaking, it is a blanket over the mentality of people that are are being hoodwinked in many respects. Absolutely. And I loved how he and he. This was very clever. I don't know if you guys caught this. The devil's says his name is I am who am not. Mm. Right now you have you have the great statement. I am I am who am. Well, the devil is I am who not. I am I am who is not. I don't exist. Yeah. That's 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 the devil's it's greatest his, trick. His greatest trickery. Yeah, absolutely. It's saying that he doesn't exist. Yeah. Look, if the devil showed up right here in this room right now, would any one of us ever have another doubt that there is something beyond death? We would know that there's something metaphysical. The devil doesn't do that. The devil doesn't show up. He doesn't show up at pitchforks and sulfur and no, flames. It's just no. a little, hey, you're doing great. Yeah. Things are good. You know what? You're Look good. at all these great things you believe. You're a good person. Yeah. You're doing fine. Just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. You know, and if you want to, you know, maybe take don't a look, look at, at that your, chick. Don't or if you want to maybe do the, steal that little thing. It's okay. You're basically yeah. a good person. It's equivocation. Yeah. And that's the trick. I, the devil's trick is that he doesn't exist and you always just erode around the edges of morality and virtue. Yeah. It's equivocation. Mm-hmm. But But another thing that he said was that there's this... Time and time again, this debasement, and then we start reaching for God. So it's almost like a, a spiritual cycle of humanity, and and it gets to the point where it's just like you you stare in the face of it, and then you start searching for God. Mm-hmm. That God's in control, right? That God is the I, the great I am. And so you know, you look at I, I get sad because of all the people that are just pulled away from the glory of God right mm-hmm. from this but at the end of the day it reaches this 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 moment in society where we begin to start seeking out god mm-hmm. because it can it's not an end of itself mm-hmm. it doesn't it's not an end it's a you know just dis- destruction mm. right so mm. you let them in a little bit you let them in a little bit next thing you know you got people like doing evil things mm-hmm. right in your face mm-hmm. the gates to perdition are wide and the road is wide right mm-hmm. But evil, but can't, it's, it's evil can't settle. It's erosive in the sense of of the trickery of him vanishing from the midst of people that are in on that road to destruction, that right. wide road. Mm-hmm. But the you know the true the truth that I see in my in my role as a priest is so many people rush to me when they encounter evil, when they encounter the devil, when they yeah. encounter something that. That they're left like you know what what is this? Yeah, and they're absolutely frightened by that, mm-hmm. and you know that's the weakness of yeah. the devil because when he does show himself, 
people immediately run to God. Yeah. And I'm talking about people who are not Catholic. Absolutely. You yeah. know, because when they're trying to search where to go, they're going to come to the Catholic Church. Right. All right, guys, I think so far, I think it's pretty well proven. Fulton Sheen's probably one of the best guests we've ever had, if not absolutely the best. <laughs> yeah. well, thanks uh, for bringing him on, Ryan. Yeah. I, know you, I, know yeah, I, I know a couple people, right? <laughs> I made a few calls and I was able to, you know, land Fulton Sheen, right? I mean, you know, whatever. So the next one we're going to listen to and uh, Fulton Sheen's going to talk to us about is false compassion. Mm-hmm. Now, I've actually had That's this. That's actually like a oxymoron in... in current terms. I've had this conversation with Fulton Sheen before, as it were. <laughs> um, so this this conversation, when we had it before, I listened to it before, is excellent, right? Mm. So I'm really excited about this one, but uh, let's see what Uncle Fulty has to say about false compassion. <laughs> Uncle Fulty. Friends, perhaps the best way to introduce this story or this subject of false compassion is to tell you about a little girl who hurt her finger, began to bleed slightly, and she went in to see her mother, and her mother bound it up. And then she went up to see her daddy, who was working. And she came down crying. The mother said, why are you crying? Well, she said, I told daddy that I hurt my finger And he didn't even say, oh. That was just a want of compassion. Compassion is is a sympathy, a pity, an ability to be wounded when others are wounded and to feel the sores of others as one's own. That is compassion. There's always been compassion in the world, and the right kind. We will distinguish later on between the right and wrong kind. Even the old Greek historian Herodotus, who lived several centuries before Christ, tells that he was shipwrecked once on on an island, and the people came out and cared for him, built fires and fed him. We know of the compassion kindness and sympathy of the Moslems. They will even kill sometimes their last lamb for a visitor. Then there was the story, it's only a legend, I suppose, about Abraham. One day a visitor came to Abraham's tent, and Abraham killed a lamb, gave him the best bed, showed him every courtesy and kindness, and yet nothing pleased the visitor. He didn't like the food. He didn't like the lamb. He didn't like his bed. He didn't like the tent. And finally Abraham threw him out. And God said to Abraham, Listen, Abraham, I've been putting up with that man for 40 years. Can't you put up with him for three days? (laughs) Of course... The classic story of all compassion is the parable of the Good Samaritan. And it is interesting how that parable began and how it was occasioned. A very clever lawyer came to visit our blessed Lord and said, 
What must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, the lawyer wanted an argument. Lawyers like arguments. And our blessed Lord, in answer to his question, asked the question. Sometimes it's well, not always to be put on the defensive with a question. Ask another. And so, when our blessed Lord was asked the question, he said, well, what do you read in the law? And he quoted the law. Love God with your whole mind and heart and soul, and love thy neighbors thyself. And our blessed Lord said to him, well, do this and you will live. Well, he didn't want that kind of an answer. And so he introduced a rather technical question. It seems practical, but he meant it to be technical. Namely, who is my neighbor? How do you define him? And then our blessed Lord told the story of a man who went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And you do go down. As a matter of fact, the distance between the two places is about 2,400 feet. I mean the descent. And he was waylaid by robbers and beaten. And a priest and a Levite passed by. They had no compassion for the wounded man. That was not uh, too great a tribute for the priest and the Levite. One explanation that is given is that they found the man already robbed. <laughs> Maybe, who knows? It could happen. And then a man who was, who was a stranger and an alien, namely the Good Samaritan, passed by and brought him to the inn and then offered to return and pay all expenses. And so our blessed Lord said, now who's the neighbor? Well, the lawyer said it's the one who showed compassion. And our Lord said, that's right. Now do this and you will live. He's such a good preacher. Oh, it's amazing. You know, listening to that, I couldn't help but to think of the divisions we have in this world right now and how everyone's in a camp, has a label, and it's almost like segregation in reverse is happening in this country. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. You know, who is my neighbor? Well, if you are not within this particular class you and you're a not, neighbor. and if, you're, if you don't have the right intersectionality, you are in a different group, right? Yeah. Um, should I be able to show compassion to a... I don't know, a transgender uh, Filipino African-American. Yes. Should you be able to have compassion for a uh, Southern Baptist straight male? Yes. Right. Should you be able to have compassion for a... A Nazi who's uh, freaking like hell-bent on, uh, on uh, a... An, an Antifa burning down a... Tearing yeah. down a statue of... Why of, would you not have compassion for somebody like mm -hmm. that? I was, just, I was just I was just preaching about neighbor? this at you know I was just preaching about this on um, at Ave Maria University for their youth conference mm -hmm. and it's just you know the where we are right now is in this movement of categorization and and uh, compartmentalization 
Mm-hmm. And it's and there are powers <laughs> that are at work, and we're back to like this kind of elitism. There are these mobilizing forces. Who they are, I have no idea. I can tell you uh-huh. who they are. But it's just that the devil. I'll, the, I'll get you b- behind that. Absolutely, but but y- you know, ultimately, it's beyond race. It's beyond any type of national identity. It's beyond being an Italian in New York with the Irish or the the African American neighborhood or the the Puerto Ricans oh. that are coming over the Dominicans it's it's beyond anything type of like skin yeah. color yeah. now it's even more than that it can include that but now it's even more than that and the segregation and compartmentalization and categorization of people even when it comes into human sexuality is so much that you can't even calculate it but yeah. if you fall in that party you know exactly where you where right. you sit or where you stand, and it's and it's problematic because in that it's these kind of defensive kind of prison rules pr- within the prison bars. How am I going to find defense to be able to survive? Right, yeah. and and that's not what this is that's about. A reaction. It's a yeah. reaction, but it's a reaction based on what type of catalyst. I yeah. don't even know that catalyst. I'll tell you exactly yeah. how this started and why this is happening and why it's getting so bad right now. It's the algorithm of social awareness and social manipulation. With the advent of technology, modern marketing has found ways to, and politics, this started in politics first. Well, okay, look, we're polling behind. We need 3% more votes in this state, okay? Well, what do we do? Okay, well, we need to get 6% from the Latinos. We need to get another 7% from the Catholic bloc. Let's get another 4% from the union, and that will get us over the top and we'll win this election, right? It's taking people and reducing them to nothing more than a tag and a label for easy categorization to sell them whatever you want to sell them, whether it's a vote, whether it's a dollar transaction. Same thing that we see online. Look, if you go onto any of your social media platforms, they are sending you stuff that they want you to see based on what they have categorized you yeah. as in their algorithm. Yeah, And we use this on a daily basis we in use it against. We use it against... You know, against them, against them. We are using use it to reach people with with we're trying to be as wise as serpents and as gentle as doves. Okay, but that's what's going on. They are commoditizing the human experience, removing our nature as neighbors, Mm -hmm. as creations and people of God so that people can profit or gain power. And power and profit are satanic. And that is what is going on. I'm positive. and, And the thing is, is like. The necessity. So the I remember when the BlackBerry came out, you know, and I'm like, I can get my emails Dang, on my phone. Old. Yeah, and and I'm like, I can get my emails on my phone. This is great. I don't have to boot up my computer, which took a long time back then, and all this stuff. And then the iPhone came out, mm-hmm. and then the, now there's all these apps, and they're great. A lot of them are great, but you look at it, and ninety nine percent of it is not necessary for the human experience. Mm-hmm. It's not necessary. And it gets in the way of the human experience. That's right. I mean, how many... That's where I was going with that. How many beautiful experiences are prevented, you know, because of something getting in the way of it, Mm -hmm. you know? And, uh, you know, I I learned that when I went to Rome and I had had an audience with Pope Benedict and I flew in late. I was... I got to this religious house. 
uh, late. All right, so you're running late for a meeting with the Pope. I mean, this is classic Pagano. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I can't help it. So yes, I was running late to go see the Holy Father. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and and you know the sisters are like, go, you know, get out of here, go. And I, I show up. The taxi cab driver drops me off, and it was like the parting of the Red Sea, man. I mean. The Swiss guard moved away. The security, they all of these coming? people. It was just, <laughs> it was, it was random. Okay. And everything moved aside and I was able to go all the way up to the front through St. Peter's Square to the feet of the staircase and the Holy Father was coming down and here I am and it's like by myself, Pope Benedict for me to Delacrosse mm -hmm. and I'm like, what do I, what do I do? Like, I'm like, you know, this guy wasn't expecting this. And I just, I pulled out my camera, which was like an old school camera, because we didn't have like phones like this uh -huh. back then. And I, and I go to take, a, I took a ton of pictures. And long story short, like all throughout my backpacking throughout Europe and, and studying Gregorian chant with the Benedictine monks in Salem and this whole incredible experience I had this particular summer, um, I got back to LaGuardia Airport and the camera got stolen. <laughs> and, and I remember Dude. praying, I remember praying in LaGuardia and I'm like, you know, man, this, it got in the way of the experience. Now mm -hmm. I don't even have those pictures Yeah, and those pictures really don't mean anything. Mm. It's the, it's experience. the encounter, man. It it's the, it's the experience. And we shouldn't allow these things to get in the way of yeah. what is most principally human living for the sake of the other. Yeah. And I loved how, how Fulton Sheen was expressing like the hospitality of Muslims. When I was in the Middle East, mm -hmm. the hospitality that I received from the Muslims were amazing. It was amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, and socially speaking within networks of people who are highly funded and most definitely driven by agenda, try to create this divisive yeah. relationship because of certain terrorist sects or different things like that. When you're in the streets with poor Muslims, they're going into the Catholic churches and they're praying before the image of Our Lady of Perpetual Help and they're begging for divine assistance and they're receiving it yeah. and they're turning to the priest for compassion well, who and who is care. our neighbor? Who is our neighbor? Is it just Catholics? Is it just people who are like that's us? Right. That's See, right. that's the thing that's going on that's so bad in this world. Who is our neighbor? Well, it seems that these days... Your neighbor is only your neighbor if your neighbor thinks exactly like you. You cannot have a friend who's a liberal. You voted for, and you, you and voted for Jesus Biden. You voted for Trump. What? You know you're dead to me. And right? then one revelation, right. one revelation of a difference, and you're done. And you're done. done. You're Canceled. absolutely and, done. And Jesus says, "What good is it to love the person that agrees with you? Right. Love Even the, the person that loves you, like the, that, love the person that hates you. Yeah. Yeah. Love and who the has, who has the cornerstone on intelligence and, and who has yeah. the cornerstone on morality and, and righteousness? Who? who? Name them. Name them. It's Jesus they. Christ. Bro. It's they. Like, it, that's yeah. who they call them. That's they. It. Yeah. It's the self-righteous stuff that's yeah. just, it's dividing us completely. Yeah. yeah. Self-righteousness. I mean, and, yeah. and this is really putting us, you know, as a society and as a culture in cages. I yeah. mean, everyone's looking for this this kind of acceptance, right? But it's not. This is a this is a golden digital cage that we're all living in, right? And yeah. people are not free. And they need to be free. They need to be free like the number one app, Hollow, which is the sponsor of our show. <laughs> so if you go to catholictalkshow.com forward slash hollow, you can get the number one app for Catholics in the world absolutely free on us because that's the kind of guys we are. And also, I called Fulton Sheen. 
he pulled some favors with Alessandro and Alex at, at Hollow, and he got it for you guys free. Okay, that's the kind of thing that happens when you listen to the Catholic Talk Show. So why don't you tell them a little bit about this magnificent Hello gift? We're like is, Elvis is giving everyone his gifts. Hello, I'm telling you, is the best Catholic app. I mean, to to just reinforce you in prayer, connect you to the, our Lord Almighty God. And it does it through daily meditations, Lexio Divina, which is a beautiful part of the app that I use with my kids and my family. Um, uh, just an unreal connection with God through that. You've got music. You've got nighttime stories by Jonathan Rumi, who plays Jesus. I mean, the guy plays Jesus. He's, he's, it's almost like next best Jesus. You right. know what I mean? And, and he's reading you bedtime stories. And then, and then you got all sorts of other stuff, you know, like Father Mike Schmitz. He's a 10. You're a 7. No, we said 2. Schmitz two, is a he's seven. a 7. No, Schmitz is a 7. Sheen's a 10. Sheen's a 10. Right. And you called Sheen, and the 10 gave you the free yeah. app. That's a lot of math. That's right. a lot of it's math. It's a lot of math, but you know Let what? It equals, it, down to it equals free. Free. And if, you're, if you want to... Plus free it, equals hollow. And if you want to... No money, hollow. <laughs> Man, I need to start a business and have him run advertisements for me, man. I want to buy this thing. Wait, are you talking I about did. that shit already happened? I already did. So, no, it's an awesome app. I guarantee if Fulton Sheev were alive today, he would be participating with Hollow. He would be doing his sermons through Hollow because that's the app that it is, right? Yeah. Um, Bishop Barron's on Hollow now, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Hollow's, Hollow's the thing, man. Yeah. Get, go and get it free, right? Yeah. Now, Bishop Fulton Sheen was also an incredibly learned man. He Golly had, smart. He had so many degrees. I think he went to the Sorbonne, uh, like really like a mega, mm -hmm. mega intelligence Catholic University of America. Mm -hmm. Did he really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, this he was so educated, and education is incredibly important, okay? Where are you going with this? I'm going to South Florida to <laughs> one of the most beautiful places in the country, just outside of Naples, Florida, which is the city of Ave Maria. And do you know what's in that city? My alma mater. There you go. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Tell us about it. Ave Maria University is set in one of the most beautiful regions in the entire country. Nay, in, in the world. Sunny, I mean, clearly, absolutely. In sunny Florida, just minutes away from the ocean, minutes away from the Everglades, incredible fishing, incredible hiking destinations. But what's most important? The beautiful faith of the people. That's right. Perpetual adoration. There is so many offerings. I think they have about nine masses that they offer within the day, the what? celebration of the Eucharist. So there is so many opportunities to go to mass, go to confession every day. I still remember I went to confession when I went down there the other day and went to Father McManus. And I used to knock on his door, you know, like at, at eight o'clock at night. Father McManus, can you hear my confession? Mm -hmm. And he'd pull me, oh, Richard, come in, you know. And I mean, just beautiful people, beautiful priests, beautiful religious. And it's just, you know, I look back at that. It was the golden years of my academic formation. You know, the motto, Veritatsi Splendor, is the splendor of truth. And they truly have faculty and staff that communicate that truth so beautifully in the tradition of the church. From scripture to the beautiful traditions of our faith, they really, really have the culture of the Catholic mm -hmm. faith alive. So if, look, if you or someone you love is looking for a college education, you really do need to consider Ave Maria because it's not just an excellent Catholic school, right? You can get Catholic schools and it's like, okay, great, but you can go and learn to be a youth minister. Nothing that there's anything wrong with that. Not a lot of job prospects for youth ministers. I was a youth minister. Right. Are you still a youth minister? No. There you go. You can't really typically raise a family on the salary of a youth minister, typically. 
But at Ave Maria, they have Ave Maria University has so many different majors, different things that you can study. Whether it's the law, whether it's business and finance, whether it's the sciences, um, whatever it is you're looking for, they have it there. So you get the amazing Catholic nature where that they help you discern your vocation and then give you the tools to execute your calling to be successful both as a person and as a professional. God bless you. God Thank God bless for you. editors. Well, that's what our patrons help us support, is yeah. editors who get those sneezes out. Kyle, leave that in. <laughs> so go to avemaria.edu to check out the university and find out more today. Absolutely. I, I, you know what? Fulton Sheen would tell you to do the same thing. I'm pretty confident I mean, he, he would he already say that. did. Right. So Ave Maria and Hollow, look, not only are you getting... Download the app and then go to Ave Maria. Look, you're getting us three to promote your things, and we're happy to do it, but... We brought in Fulton Sheen. I think that, you know, you guys should be happy with us, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So what's this last uh, homily that we've got here? Last one. And I think this is kind of the it's culmination of where we were going with these ones. And yeah. I really, we just kind of picked these at random. We were allowing the Holy Spirit to move through us here. So let's see. This is The Death of God mm. by Fulton Sheen. Never more night. We hear the noise of the gravediggers as they bury God. We smell God decaying. God is dead. And we have slain him. How shall we console ourselves, chief of all murderers? The holiest and most powerful this world has ever possessed has ebbed its blood away beneath our fingers. Who can make us clean? What sacred rites will we have to invent? Is not the greatness of this deed too great for us? We will have to become gods. Now he predicts the catastrophe that is to come. He said, I know his name, but I shall not mention his name the catastrophe that will come upon a godless world. At last, he threw his lantern on the ground and so that it broke in pieces and went out. He said, I've come too early. Too early. That monstrous catastrophe that is to fall upon the world is not yet upon us. This is the way the greatest of all the atheists speaks of the world that is to come, the world in which God is dead. Dostoyevsky, who knew atheism well because he predicted it coming into Russia, said that humanity has two ages. One age is from the gorilla to the death of God. The other age is from the death of God to the annihilation of man by a catastrophe. Can it be that there is a moment when we haven't, the moment that we have invented the atomic bomb is also the moment when we're in danger of annihilating ourselves. I tell you, these men have not convinced me 
that there is no God. But they have convinced me of one thing. They have convinced me that there is a devil. Wow. I mean, you could just tell that he just speaks from a you know, wow. post-communist, you know, Marxist-Leninism yeah. You know, but we're experiencing a, a revival of Marxist-Leninism. Right oh, now. it's it, but it's been continuous. Like yeah. it, it hasn't, it has never like never slowed stopped. its progress. Yeah. Like JP two and Reagan pumped the brakes for a while. Yeah, but you know, like it's its progress is is continuing to yeah. immerse culture and expose our children and young people and yeah. young families to this mentality. And and he's absolutely right. I mean, what what we're looking at and what we've all been talking about is the erosive destruction of society and this massive event that he's articulating with just great passion and and enthusiasm is he's he's waking up people of his generation yeah you know and and I hope that we and this show having Fulton Sheen on I'm loving seeing the microphone pointed at his face mm -hmm. and and having him on the other side of the table right now because you know we need to be you know you know, alert, yeah. like, like the scriptures say, you know, be alert, be vigilant. You know, the devil is prowling about like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Well, you know, the prowling nature of this erosive, uh, you know, aspect of philosophy that is immersive throughout the world right now is absolutely destroying our unity and destroying our civility. Yeah. And, and I liked what he brought up that when God is dead, we have to become gods, right? And that is what our culture has done. Mm -hmm. Our culture has went away from faith. The attendance in mass is atrocious. The belief in faith with every successive generation, from boomers to Gen X to millennials and then to Gen Z, gets smaller and smaller. Was the action of Jesus Christ not enough? Like, right. that, that's what you say. Like, yeah. it was the action of Jesus. Was was that not enough? But see, here's yeah. what happens. Every generation is falling further and further away. And every generation is becoming more and more self-absorbed. Mm -hmm. And they are becoming more and more trying to usurp the role of God. They can control. They can create their own identity. They can cre create themselves. Yeah. They create themselves, not God. And well, that is such a, you know, we look at our creation by God as a gift and we demure to that. Well, as you created me, God, that is how I am. Mm -hmm. Now, other people in this world now are their own God. They create themselves. They have to fulfill the function of God in themselves. The government becomes God for many people. It's the government that provides protection, provides food, provides rights. The government, when God dies, necessarily slides into that chasm, into mm -hmm. that vacuum and fills it. Mm -hmm. And if you do not see that going on in the world today where the government is telling you who is what, what defines a person and a man, who can live and who cannot, who can get medical health care and who cannot, who can live here and who cannot, the government is becoming a dictatorial god in this world. And that is very much totalitarianism and communistic in nature. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's so amazing, like in contrast to the like the love of God and the, and the humility of God born among a virgin, a 14-year-old girl raised, died at the hands of all of this, mm -hmm. right? Like at the hands of the empire, yeah. At the hands of all of this, right? That's, that's our God. Mm -hmm. That's, he stretches out in that manner 
to allow himself to be sacrificed there. If you don't think we're killing God now, we've done it before. Right. And that's why the action is enough because it's that's, an act it's an action that that uh transcends time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It breaks yeah. our ability to kill God. Mm-hmm. Truly. Yeah. That's right. Mm. So, I mean, I mean the contrast was so Pungent. I mean, oh, it was yeah. just like beautiful the way really he, was. he brought that out. It man. really was. Well, Fulton you know. Sheen, I, I've just got to thank you. I can't thank you enough for yeah, thank agreeing you for coming to come on the show. You might if we uh, have you on another show. It'd again. be great. <laughs> Look, I'm just going to say Pints of the Aquinas, great show. Didn't get Fulton Sheen, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Taylor Marshall, great show. He hasn't gotten Fulton Sheen. Only here in the Catholic <laughs> Auction. All right? <laughs> Shout out to us. <laughs> so we thank you for connecting with the show. Hopefully you liked us. Let, let, let us know what you think about Fulton Sheen, what he shared today. How has it struck your heart, and what has it made you think of? You know, it's a joy to connect in this forum. You know, again, a big shout-out goes to our patrons who help us support the show, and we'll see you next week. God bless. Mm.